0: Hello Rockerlin welcome to Video Game Bullshit. This is Jeffrey Wittenhagen, I'm an author of multiple gaming books including collector's guides for both the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. I'm a huge fan of action RPGs like The Legend of Zelda, and obscure systems like the Neo Geo and TurboGrafx-16. And we've got Kyle! Hey hey! I'm big into uh, no death runs, high score runs, uh, collector of all things, vintage and retro. Uh, Pretty much anything video game related. Also collect figures, vinyl, VHS, tap handles, old beer signs, and old beer steins. Please call our number, leave a voicemail, or a text message at 262-264-VGBS. So yeah, we're basically going to do a little uh, episode where we're bullshitting about what we're currently doing, which it's now February 2017, so we'll date ourselves, ooh, it's freestyle, yeah. That's right, BGBS, you know, we're going to do the straight BS now, it's fun. Yeah. So we were actually just chatting, we're like, we need to start recording again, in, in between the break between our last episode and this episode, and I was like, we need to start recording. So, um, what were we talking about? <laughs> Um, uh, book, book. So the the funding of your new. Oh, uh, let's yeah. talk about the differences. Yeah, differences. So, so doing the oddities right now. Um, just started the Kickstarter. I've been working on the oddities book for months now. Like, um, been formatting it, laying it out. Uh, two weekends ago, my in laws were in, and I was literally knocking out all of the versus Nintendo and PlayChoice ten spreads. So, like, I did the toppers, I did the marquees, and the instruction cards. Like, shit that's not all together perfectly, because, like, PlayChoice10, they didn't all have toppers. Um, But I got some high-quality ones from one of my buddies, Riddick Rick, who I knew from uh, a Twin Galaxies event in uh, Tumwa, Iowa. Um, But, like, I was able to get some high-quality ones and actually recreate them how they should be. Which is cool. So there's, like, some really cool custom items. That's love right there. But so we launched the oddities, and so it took off, like, completely, insanely awesome and different than the Super Nintendo one, which is weird. So we could do, like, a quick compare and contrast, I think. Yeah, and real quick, the first two minutes, because I... (laughs) I jumped as fast as I could on it when it started, and there were already six or seven backers, and it was at 2,400 out of 5,000 within the first two minutes. And I have the the email that I sent to you as proof. I was like, dude, it's already half, and it says "God, 5.02 (laughs) Central or... Yeah, Central. Uh, It was 6 Eastern that it launched, right? Yeah, and I mean, well, because the the main difference with this one is that I... I realized with the Super Nintendo one that there's something called a preview link, and you can share it with people. So with the Super Nintendo one, I shared it with some people, got some feedback. With this one, I shared it with everyone. I promoted it. I did everything. Here's the preview link. And what people were doing was they were following me. They were starring the page to get reminders. They were doing all these different aspects, which is essentially just a reminder, That that it's coming out because they want to get it, um, and they want to you know check out the Kickstarter when it launches, and they can already see everything in the Kickstarter the preview link. So basically, people are already like, okay, I want to do this or I want to do that, or um. So basically, as soon as it launched, like you gotta imagine at least dozens, if not maybe a hundred, reminders went out for people. It was in your YouTube description for your trailer, yeah. And that's how I bookmarked it. And also, it only took two hours and fifteen minutes to fund. Yeah, that was the irony. Is like I did a um a Kickstarter or not Kickstarter Facebook live stream, uh for the first I was going to do it until uh, either from six to two because I created an event for it as well, and from six to two I was doing the live stream or not six to two six to eight. Um and I was like yeah or I'm just gonna stop when we hit our funding so that way you know we can we can cut it off on a good note and it was eight o'clock and I'm like oh we gotta go I'm gonna go help London do some uh, my daughter do some L's and penmanship and stuff um I've been pro- I promised her and she was pretty patient she came on the video a few times and was like antsy but she was she was really good though that was hilarious. So basically, like, right after I logged off, though, of course, we got funded, which is crazy. So the interesting aspect is, is that this one was in the middle of the week um, on, you know, Wednesday at 6 p.m., whereas the Super Nintendo one I did was on the weekend at, like, 10 a.m. on a Saturday. Completely different aspects. If you believe everything you read online, they say you should launch in the... Or Like in the middle of the day or early morning on a weekday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I don't know. I don't think it really matters. I think it all depends on when, you know, most people that you know, um, like all the gamers, for example, would be home. Yeah, I mean, well, the thing with that, like, we all have access anywhere now. Mm-hmm. So it's not like AOL days. And also, um, you've delivered that was my thing you delivered twice yeah that they know of that they know of um with kickstarter so obviously you have um reputable (laughs) anti-stigma reputable anti-stigma you have a good positive vibe about you people know you're gonna deliver everybody's been going crazy over my last two books well, it's kind of like an, on eBay when someone has, like, 100% feedback, like, thousands of... Fe- you know, they, they know that, okay, this guy's a good guy. It's, like, so humbling. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing with you. you got to be, at this point, like, oh, my God. Because it- it's all starting to unfold. It's beyond insane and humbling, and, like, it's crazy. Because, like, this shit just is getting building like like we always said we're gonna like lay the groundwork and let it kind of naturally build and the natural build is getting really really outstanding and crazy so like on a daily basis like what happens now that didn't used to happen <laughs> it's like n- <laughs> number one tons and tons of emails and messages and i'm ocd like you are so i have to respond like oh yeah like one guy oh, yeah. like responded with a bunch of like cool suggestions and they weren't like criticism they were like actually like hey i would like this and this might be cool and i responded to him He's like holy crap you responded <laughs> <laughs> like of course I, and I, positively of course i did uh, like I've, we're not above anybody else we're just we're gamers man on the level baby and also how you responded i'm sure was constructive yeah not destructive in the way of your response you probably weren't like these are dumb ideas you're probably like, cool, I'll take these into consideration because you always do that. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, I take all criticism into consideration and I feel like that's why I'm going to continually refine and what I say is raise the bar because I want them to continually hit that mark. And I want to keep a consistent like standard so that way it all looks perfect on the shelf and all that. But like the content within, I want to refine to be a perfect example of what we want to do and it's not that the nes book's not perfect nothing's ever going to be pristine perfect but it's that classic you gotta release it eventually mentality yeah and then once i go to kickstarter i'm very um you know military-minded gotta get meet the standard gotta get it out there so like i'm good Making the book and all that until I go to Kickstarter, and then it's like, all right, I have to get it out by this date. So then I start putting in extra hours. I start making it a standard. That's why, like, my standard was to get the Super Nintendo books out by December. I missed it by a couple weeks with both books. And the second book wasn't even started when I finished the Kickstarter. Which is really great in comparison to most projects. <laughs> especially video and games like those are known to take a while which is a necessity but for books like the thing is is that if you're going to kickstarter with the book not done at all um you're setting yourself up for failure and mine like my they're almost done like type thing right and it's just crazy because it shows it's kind of like what we we're talking about offline where i think the majority uh, are procrastinators like the people at both of our places of work Mm -hmm. the procrastinators and they just uh once you once you know and you have that you have that tunnel vision you know and you're fucking like laser sight (laughs) and that's the key you know it's the classic thing that a lot of people ask me they're like how do you have the time to get those done i said little by little like when you're binge watching complete shows on netflix I'm just knocking out a couple layouts, and then I'll go binge-watch a couple episodes instead of the entire show. That's a great point. Like, how much time do people waste that they don't realize they're wasting? Tons. Tons. Because they're alive too. I mean, there's 24 yeah. hours in all of our days. And it's and it's most days, I spend time with family before I do any of that. Yeah, and, like, I did the math. It takes about six to eight hours of editing for one podcast episode with music and everything. Mm-hmm. So six to eight hours times you know what we have so far, I have found time. You know, I guarantee there's people listening. It only take me one hour, but yeah, no, you don't. You don't edit to the extent that Kyle does. I do want to. I do want to put that out there, like to, as a disclaimer, because like, <laughs> like, because yeah. I already know somebody's sitting there, like, oh, you know, it, it only takes me one to two hours max. Like, okay. Yeah, it's, I make sure to retain everyone what they say so everyone gets their shit in, as I say in wrestling. Um, so if I interrupt, if I get excited and interrupt Jeff, and see, that's the other thing. People get like, oh, he's a dick. He We're just getting excited. Exactly. It's the thing. Like People get butthurt so easily. But yeah, it's just the whole thing. Like Then I will shuffle my part a little before yours so that you get your shit in and I get my shit in. Which is perfect. And that's how it should be. I mean, I can see the other side. Just let the conversation be be what it is. But I would rather have informative treats like as as much as possible. Well, and it's creating history at that point. Again, yeah. And if you say something that gets buried beneath my words or vice versa, that's lost, and it could have been like another nice like nugget. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's um, it's all about refining Tynan's you know yeah and yeah. so so back on to like the compare contrast like mm-hmm. the crazy thing was is that last year um, we had the same amount of growth on the Kickstarter like on the same time like I think I got up to 8,000 maybe in the first day which this time it went up to 12 which is insane like it blows me away but a lot of the the big dogs, like you were saying, like they're not sold out. So if you go to Kickstarter, like the consoles aren't sold out yet. Yes, a few people grabbed them. Like the um, the games aren't sold out yet. Well, you got like um, four or five for the Zelda one. How many available is that? I have five and five on the Zelda and the Mega Man consoles, and ten on the box set. The box that's only limited because for my own sanity, because if I'm trying to juggle like more than 10 boxes and games from 12 different, you know, homebrew creators, I have to buy from 12 different spots. That's why there's homebrew games in my site, because I'm like, as people buy this box or can't afford this box and they want to support homebrew, I want it to be in one spot instead of going, oh, what are you interested in? Oh, go to this site. Oh, you want to go to that game, too? You have to go to this site and you have to go to this site to get this game, and this area, and this forum to get this game. Like, instead, it's all just on my page, just buy it. Um, Rush to USB, i literally, if they buy it on my site, i literally just go to their site and pay for it. <laughs> oh, shit. And then you just put in the, the shipping address, like... Yeah, I put in their shipping address and their email, and I set up an account with, like, Higgins <laughs> Alley's the password. Send it to them. It's like your good deed for the day, you know? <laughs> Well it's it's well because like Retro USB is notorious on not responding to emails. So um, I just go all right I just fill it out real quick, I give them the entire money and let them you know ship it out with their normal time and that's their business so they're going to get it out instead of taking a week to respond to me in an email and then sh- be shooting them the cash in a check or on PayPal and taking double fees or a check where it takes another week and then people aren't getting their game for a month. Instead I'll just buy it real quick in two seconds. Let's love that man. Well and if you look on the game thing on my page too, it's like number one, I'm not taking any money from it because I just want exposure, because again, me being the gamer, you being the gamer, what happens if they sell if like a homebrew developer sells more games? They're gonna want to make more. So then we get more games. So we win. Like that's just it. Like like it it literally doesn't take it took me like a couple Minutes per game to put it up on the site. I added the trailers from YouTube that they uploaded. I also put a link to where to buy the game on their site on my page. Because if they want to go support them directly, great. That's fine. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, the only way that would cause me to make limited versions of something and not want to sell it on a massive scale is if it I knew in my heart it wasn't that good. Yeah. Well... The thing with the limited edition homebrews from Nintendo, and this is actually a good thing to get into right now, um, limited editions back when we started the podcast were a big thing. People would do a limited edition. People would be throwing out $300, $500 at the limited edition homebrews. People were going crazy for them. Like, Nintendo H-Forums is the notorious one for that. Um, Now... It's starting to turn into a lot less, maybe a hundred dollars. Maybe they're not selling out. I know guys that have, that have been doing a homebrew run and they still have copies of the game, which is like never used to happen. I, I think that the market got flooded too fast, too quick. And I mean, I predicted it back in 15 when I was doing my Kickstarter and telling people, Hey, you're putting out way too many releases. Like we only have so much cash. But we always say it's like when Vincent was in the NWO. I mean, like Jesus Christ. Well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they just keep on adding more members. Like it just loses like meaning. It's like art where someone draws like a streak, sells it for five hundred bucks. Like they can just take a shit on a fucking canvas and sell it. Like <laughs> now the homebrew developers aren't getting three, four thousand, five thousand dollars for a limited edition release. And they're having to literally sit on product that they've created. Um, and it's, it's not just because they're not really just selling. It's a lot of the big spenders got out of it. They got burned out. The whales. Yeah. The whales swam away. <laughs> <clears throat> like the classic Gwyndian, who used to buy everything. He was at Portland and selling off his entire collection, including homebrews. Like he had my, he bought my beers from me. He had my beers, selling them at the convention. Like I saw my Hagen's Alley homebrew beer that I made. I'm like, why is that up there? That's crazy. Wow, never thought you'd see that. <laughs> <laughs> like Jesus Christ, man. Small what world. Like, but he had stuff like like labels that I made. He had a sheet of the labels. I definitely still have that somewhere. I got a. Where the fuck did I put that? That's here somewhere. Yeah. But, like, that, so so all those whales got out. So the thing is, though, is that, like, so if they're not able to to make that kind of cash and they're used to it, now they got to figure out a new plan. And, like, for me, it's like, well, I just want to support the community because I want the games. Because if the games dry up to where they're making money, they may get demotivated. So I'm like, well, what if I bring more – like, I've wanted to do a homebrew book just for – me for you because it's like one of those things where nobody's seen it all side by side all the the games all the screenshots everything it's it's fragmented across the internet in a million places like this has been the hardest book that i've ever had to research the homebrew part each limited edition spread takes me 15 to 20 minutes max like just to find a picture it was like when I was trying to research search Morrison's death, I was like, had to read three people's stories and then compare all their stories against each other. <laughs> and it got like, yeah. yeah, it gets colossal in scope. Because you want the facts. Yeah, and it's, it's insane because, number one, you got guys that are releasing games, like your, um, your Bows and your KevBots and those guys that, they, if they have a 12 limited edition, and this is what helped kill the limited edition thing, say they do a limited edition 12, a month later, you'll see in the forum, oh, here's my prototype. Oh, here's the special edition prototype. Here's another. Like, they are, how many are there then? If people are paying $300 and then they see another one and another one and another one. Kills it. It kills the momentum. and it's Special. Like, I literally, aura. like... Wrote down all the different ones for certain games, and there's like five different versions for a game, um, and you know each one was with the intention. And then you'll see crazy stuff like, um, what is what's the one that I saw that freaking blew my mind? It was a game that oh, it was it was Rob's three in one pack for Sly Dog Studios, the limited edition one. Because Rob was on VGBS, said he would never do a lemon dish. He did one. And then <laughs> I got outbid by Bo, Soul Goose Productions. Mm-hmm. And Bo made the freaking carts. So, yeah, because he's a productions company. So that is eBay shill bidding. Well, that's against what I would think Rob's morals and ethics lie. You you would think, but like, but that that was the thing is like I literally collect the games, and and you know have displays and highlight them and do articles on them and write about them and I'm you know now doing a history piece on them in a book like to get everybody's work out there, but it's like I'm I'm going to like have to note things like that that hey in the community you have people that are making them that are also collecting them, I mean so like he outbid me uh and I didn't get one by like 10 bucks or something and so I didn't get a copy of that game because it was limited quote-unquote but like it's so crazy when you when you see like oh and here's the limited edition here's the 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 developers copy the prototype copy like so many. And here's the Christmas version. That was the other thing that, that bought was a, a Christmas version of the limited edition game that there's only so many of. Was it the label? What's the variant? Is it a programming variant or just the label? Label in a white cartridge. She painted the cartridge white and did a Christmas hat on the freaking label or something. That's it? Like, that's it. Damn. That's easy. It's insanity. And the thing that's <laughs> weird, too, is that, like... That spot helped kill it a little bit. It's all, like, at the same time, like, all helped drive it down. But it's like, so I'm trying to bring more light to it. So I'm just hoping that, like, at least with the the homebrew book, like, incorporated into my main series, it's not just a niche homebrew book where, it's, like, mainly homebrew collectors and then are going to get it. It's going to be all gamers because this is li- this book's literally games you haven't played. So it's challenging you, like, find a game. I I guarantee you there's a game in my book that you haven't played. I know there is. Like, with the whole homebrew thing, like, I had a list of 400 games, and then I talked to somebody, talked to Rachel uh, Weir, and she made, um, this fortune teller game that everybody was talking about a couple years ago. Say, oh yeah, I have three more games. (laughs) Like, what? Like, yeah, here's this, this, and this. And some of them are, like, demos with music and stuff, but that's a game she programmed. So would you say is it getting to the point where Konami, Capcom got to where it's like, we can trust retrotainment games, you know, Made Halloween 85 and 86, where it's like, if if I can make a game and release it, it doesn't have to be good. So that's where I think, that's like the first layer of... Uh, of novelty wears off where it's like, well a lot of these games aren't amazing, so it's cool that they're a homebrew, but then beyond that, are they any good? So there's a sect. There's there's sectors. Let's but so you have your, your homebrew developers, right? So they're all different developers of all different skills, layouts, styles. It's like like an art piece. You have good artists, you have decent artists, you have not so good artists, but they're still an artist. That's what you have. So, like, some people are good at playing games. Some people are okay at playing them and just have fun. And some people aren't good at playing games. Like, it's the same thing. So, my book, I'm not distinguishing that. I'm not doing that. But there are the RetroTainment that are making full NES ones. MegaCast Studios making full NES games. Uh, Civac, Kahan games. Like, a lot of these guys are making full games. And then you have ones that are making novelty items. I mean, Retro Scribe with Beer Slinger said he's just making a, a novelty. He just wants something cool. Because that's when we, when we asked, you know, there's a whole podcast thing where we wanted high scores. He's like, I'm just making something fun. Like, you have that. So as the quantity increases, the quality has to increase. Because I gotta, if I'm going to buy something, it has to, like, be awesome or more awesome than what I currently have. Like, so it's like an evolution well, it's it's like a um, – it is an evolution, but it's never going to evolve if that makes sense because you have Retrotainment and even Joe Granado, Like they have people that are going to make NES games, Super Bat Puncher, um, that they're going to raise the bar. And those people and programmers and companies are going to get better and better. However, you're still going to have somebody who just gets into the hobby – in 2017 it starts making a game and they're going to do another game that's a simplistic homebrew that's a single screen little easy thing or a demo of or moving around a sprite and doing some collision well that eventually hit uh, Contra versus Kid Cool where you, you have that sect of like awesome programmers and then you have this little guy that comes along and it's like well why, why I'm just going to stick with Konami like Oh no, we're, we're talking another dichotomy between that. Kid cool is your mid ground. We're talking Contra versus Taboo the Sixth Sense here. Color a dinosaur. So I think that's where it's going to lose value on the low end because the novelty of owning a homebrew will wear off. And it, 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 that's where the, the term homebrew is. I've talked with Tim from Retrotainment at, uh, MacFest. He's like, the term homebrew is terrible. And, and it really is. It's what the community uses, so it's what I'm using and everything. But really, it's brand new NES game for those sects that are a NES game. Like that's your brand new NES game. However, you're going to still have your Color of Dinosaurs, your small mini games. The thing is, though, is that it's going to be up to the person onto what they elevate to that high level. So somebody. May not consider Quadra Lords, for example, which is on Retro USB, as a top sect. Other people that love Atari-style games will love that because that's essentially Warlords with a four-player. You can do four VOS controllers and play Warlords on your Nintendo. Um, it's simplistic, single-screen, arcade-style game. Um, some people would consider that high sect. I would consider that fun arcadey, but I would put that in that middle ground. So now Halloween 85 comes out. Halloween 85 is a full NES game. Changes everything. Well, Battle Kid forces apparel. That was really, that was like the first big game changer. That was 2010 that Savok that did that. Like Super Bat Puncher did a demo. You can tell that that's going to be a full game. Legends of Ali, a full game action RPG like Zelda. Mystic Searchers that Granado is doing is a full Zelda style game. Rob Bryant's Rob Ryan's the Mad Wizard. That's a full NES game. Well, even, like, once the bar's raised, then I'm looking at these other games, and it's like they could have done so much more. So that's where the, the Konami, like, Konami's like, let's get Leonardo, Raphael, <laughs> Michelangelo, and Donatello and have them make games. But the, the problem is, is could they have? Because... You're talking with the homebrewers, like, it's the talent level. It's like, that's all that maybe that person was capable of. Well, so my point with that, I guess, is like, so it's like me buying Halloween 85 versus, like, you know, a one-screen little ditty, and I'm still paying $50 for both of them. That's the problem that I see. There's no differentiation between... The top tier and the low tier, because everybody's putting their heart and soul into it. They still they're still spending a lot of time programming, even the simplistic stuff. It takes time. They just aren't Leonardo da Vinci. That's that's why Konami had to exist. Well, exactly. That's why Capcom had to exist. I feel like that's going to be an issue when Joe normal, or just Joe hardcore NES collector sees all these games in my book and goes. Okay, so these are the physically released ones because I'm splitting it by physical, digital, um, limited editions, and upcoming. So they see the physical ones, but even in the physical ones, Cornball Cocksuckers is in there. The joke game that was one yeah. of those that Fire was when you know the market started to get flooded. But it's a it's a joke game. It's a single screener with like multiple little games. But like that's there. There's you know albums in there too. People do like chip tune albums; those are pretty cool. Those are with the homebrews. There's no differentiation. That's unique. That's a whole unique like microcosm. Yeah, and I have all those documented too. And I'm putting musical, you know, in the instead of one to two players or you know single player or whatever. I put music cart in there so people know it's a musical cart. But um, but like Joe normal like just Nintendo player sees all these. And does what you do and buys Haunted 85 or Haunted 86, and then the second game they get is Cornball Cocksuckers. It wouldn't be that one because of the name, but, like, gets a game that's a single-screen little arcade game. Right. Maybe Blow blow Them Out or Beer Beer Slinger. Looks freaking cool. Let me buy Beer Slinger. There we go. We can pick on Beer Slinger. <laughs> and he gets it, and he beats it in one set, setting. It's like, okay, well, that's a homebrew game. And it's a negative connotation because yes. it's not a full gaming experience. But it's also like if I buy an NES, and I go to the store, and there's Contra and Kid Cool, and for whatever dumb reason, I buy Kid Cool. I go home, and I'm like, NES sucks. (laughs) Well, And and that's it, so... Negative connotation. Negative connotation. I could have bought Contra, and for the rest of my life, NES is the greatest thing ever. Like like we said in that one episode, with the nostalgia, 62, like, everything changes everything else. So if you would have picked, like, the shitty NES game, you might have hated the NES. Yeah. I think my idea... you, You know how with the Super Nintendo, I did the Hearts... For, like, my favorites, or our favorites, and all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to do, like, a little Nintendo cartridge. And put it on there, and, like, these are my recommended homebrews. Oh, yeah, like a little icon, that'd be cool. Little icon, and basically those are going to be the ones that are indicated that are, like, to me, must-owns mm-hmm. for all gamers. Not not homebrew collectors, but all gamers. And I can do that through all four sectors, because even with the digital only, like, if you have the ROM, the, people put it on a cart. Like, you just, most of the developers are cool with it. Um, and if not, then you can at least play it on a ROM on your, your hard drive or whatever. Yeah. But that's the thing, though, man. It's like... Recommendations. It's crazy, because... And then you got other issues, like, there's people in the community, like Pico, that get negative connotations, Pico Interactive and yet he has a homebrew that's in the box set that I have that's called Quest Forge, and the game's amazing. Yeah, it's almost like an I just had an insight. Like, that's why Nintendo included Super Mario Bros. with the system. Gotta have the best. Yeah, it's like, here is something awesome, so when you... That's what's funny, too, because then it shows, like, the licensed, quote-unquote, quote, seal of approval... It's like Nintendo knew in their heart of hearts that that some games weren't that great or you might not like some games so yeah let's include one that like is universally badass Mm-mm. so that no one can stigmatize it beyond you know the fact that there are bad games yeah like I think that my best of homebrew box set is is pretty solid. Um, of course, Commie Killer in you know the one where he hacked it, put me in there. That's still a single screen game. That's a homebrew. Like that's not a full NES experience. Well, I see it like a wrestling uh, card. You got your joke match. Yeah, because that you know? that is a joke. Joke cartridge. That's a yeah, a funny. It, one. It's it's the full um, spectrum. But every other game in that box set is a solid game, like super fucking amazing. But I think you have to include that because if I was to code something, I would definitely we'd make something like funny. Yeah, and, and what's hilarious is like you're you're literally I'm brainwashed by the Russians. You're literally shooting at my head with the American flag. And my voice is in the game, so when you kill me, it says, "Buy my book, you capitalist pig." <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know about the capitalist pig part. That's hilarious. So I might, I might send a copy of that over to uh, some people who don't like me too well in the community. So here you go. You can shoot at me. That'd be cool. Yeah. It's like, here, have at it. Have at it, buddy. <laughs> like, Still looking at my beautiful mug. <laughs> oh, yeah. Smiling the whole time. The yeah, like, guy literally took the picture from my Facebook profile page where I'm like smiling. <laughs> yeah, I saw the shot. It's perfect. <laughs> but like every single like other game in there I mean, there's Battle Kid 2s in there, Haunted Halloween 86s in there. Super good. Uh, a game called Super U Wall, which isn't even out to their backers from from theirs crowdfunding I have all 15 copies already or all 10 copies already. Yeah. The thing was I was going to do like a copy for myself, but I'm not even going to do that. Like if I end up with some extra boxes, like I'm going to offer to the backers in backer kit. Like the higher level tier people like do you want to upgrade to this? Do you want a copy of the box set? And if you already have the books in your tier, obviously it'll be $100 cheaper. Because books are hundred for both, so be five hundred so six hundred. Yeah, it's the whole like collector thing. It's not your first rodeo. It's no. not your millionth rodeo. It's your ten trillionth. So it's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. man. And they're not limited because I want them to be limited in nature. It's limited because of number one, they're expensive shit. So I don't think that you know putting infinite on there is is crazy. Um, and then the other aspect is is that um. Just from sanity sick, having to make that many, like (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) There's always that. You know, it's like getting them all shipped. Sanity comes first. (laughs) One thing I was thinking of is, did any leather-bound tomes sell? I don't think so. I don't think I've nobody's backed a leather-bound tome yet this time. I mean, Uh, and my thing is, is that. So last time, people got a lot of leather-bound tomes. This time, it's a 1000 page leather-bound tome where I have all three books in it. So I actually had a question about those. How does it go onto the book? Does it just slip over the two hardcovers? Now, I think you're thinking of the leather covers, because there's two different things. You have the subdued leather covers that Stephen Greenhouse does, where he does the the artwork by hand and, like, burns it into the leather. Yeah, like the ones that you, you have in that box. Yeah, so those are, and those are painted where he's not gonna paint them anymore because he got, um, they took way too much time. He said they were affecting his health. Like, it took <laughs> so long. He literally said that, like, like wow. the back of the Super Nintendo one was a full painting it took him an entire day to do one. just, just the back. That's crazy. After the burning, after all the other pieces, like, dude. So are those removed? How do they go on the Those are just slip over. There's little corner pieces, um, like pliable leather corner pieces, and you just slip the cover into it. It fits perfectly. It fits fits like a glove. Like a glove! Because the other one, it's just attached. It's like a leather attached one. So the other one, the leather bound tome, I send it to a bindery. They re-bind the book in leather with headbands and they do the whole thing and for the super nintendo one they're taking the complete snes and the compendium and binding them together in one book that's amazing so it's seven it's 750 pages so with this one they're doing the complete nes the oddities and the nintendo compendium all together so that'd be a thousand pages <laughs> no, nobody's backed it yet and I only I increased it by fifty dollars and it's not because of the extra book. I increased it by fifty dollars because the gold gilding they now have to farm out to another company because their guy left and they charge fifty more dollars. Oh. Uh, gold gilding that's yeah, like a Bible. It's great. So I'm doing gold gilding on it, why? Because I'm doing the most ridiculous thing you can possibly do and make it insanely classic. Like, it's, like, gold-stamped and never This is insane. It's expensive as shit. It costs me that much to do them. Like, it costs me, I think, $400 a book or something. And I have to ship them the books, so I have to buy the books still, too. I have to pay for the books. Get the books to them. Then they ship it back. They have to pay for shipping twice, too. <laughs> like, I don't make any money on those. That's cool to know how it works, Joe. Just sell backers. Yeah future backers in the years to come as well? Sure, because I mean well the thing is if, if nobody backs this one like, I mean I, I buy one for me and I already have the complete NES plate for when I did the sample and those cost like a few hundred dollars just to get the plate done um, This metal plate I might get one for me and then just have them mail me back the plate for it <laughs> and it'll be done like, I'll have to mail him back the plate if I want it done. Huh. But, like, it, they're in Milwaukee, too, so right by MGC. Might have to go give him a visit. For sure, dude. Affecting his health. That's crazy. So <laughs> his health. So, so, w- <laughs> so, with, so with this one, wow. his leather covers are only the subdued, which they look awesome, too, the subdued ones, without coloring. <laughs> He's, like, going insane. <laughs> well, you got to think about it, like. <laughs> yeah, dude. A whole day, like a lot of people wanted one man. A whole day of editing, and then that's one like. Well, that's kind of like what the podcast is, huh? Yeah. <laughs> no wonder I'm crazy. <laughs> I told I told somebody like <clears throat> you can't watch funding because like if you watch like kick track or whatever it is because you can track your kickstarters. Like if you'd have watched it like today or yesterday night like looked at KickTrack, Track, it said that I was gonna make a, a quarter of a million dollars or something on the books. Like, oh yeah Like fuck no, it's not like nobody like those things, all the semantics, there's a middle lull in a Kickstarter because everybody goes at the beginning and goes, Oh yeah, I gotta remember, gotta remember and then like throughout you'll get people that'll remember and, and back continually. It's a it's a trickle. And at the end everybody set a reminder, back again. Um and, you know, as I Throw out there like marketing and advertising, or just pushing it out to groups and things. Then more people remind, and it's basically me reminding people that it's out there. That's all I do. It's like a, it's a reverse bell curve. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So like when I see people like other Kickstarter said so they're going to be two hundred percent funded, I'm like, you're going to be struggling. <laughs> yeah, because after everyone's seen it. Then it's trickles, yeah. and then, okay, at the very end, they're like, oh, shit, you know, I, I okay, I'm going to get it, fine. Mine, I didn't realize. I thought I went from February 1st to March 1st. Um, the problem is, is that they, right after I already put out the trailer um, and everything, Nintendo launched, it said that they're launching the Switch, their new console, on March 3rd. So, and I think my Kickstarter is going to March 2nd or 3rd, and I didn't know that. So, I might have an issue with people saying, oh, well, I gotta get the Switch, so, you know. Take away their pledge. It'll prevent people from maybe getting, like, the custom Nintendos, which is why I think maybe those have been slower than last time. However, all the podcasts I listen to about the Switch, everybody's complaining about it. And they say it's gonna be worse than the Wii U, which... Like only hardcore Nintendo fans bought. So I don't know. I don't I don't predict any of this stuff. I'm like, if people want this stuff, that's cool. Like that's just how I feel, is that I already know people are gonna be asking me for years because they're still asking me for Nintendo stuff. So the other thing you asked me is how things change, right? Yeah. So I said the emails. Um the other aspect is is that within the last, what, three months maybe? Since maybe December, maybe only two months. I have that that crazy store now. Like, the professional store. Yeah, which is great. So the other aspect with this Kickstarter now is that I have people going to my store and buying books on top of backing. So it's getting, like, today I had to literally ship out a bunch of books. Because I had a bunch of backers, like, buy books, too. I'm like, holy shit. Like, it's... That's what's getting crazy is that, like, people are realizing that I'm there. And, like, oh, you have all these books. And it's, like, Pokemon. They want to catch them all, like. Right, yeah, because when I tested out your shop, bought some treats. Yeah, it shows, like, someone from New Jersey bought this Mm -hmm. eight hours ago, you know, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, So that's what's cool, too, because it shows that, like, okay, this person bought it and they got what they bought. So it's reputable, there's that lock. You have the secured thing in mm-hmm. the top left of the website. super crucial, though, mm-hmm. especially in this age. We even had, a, like, a webinar where, um, you know how, like, if you go to a fake uh, Gmail page yeah. and you put your – they actually, on the webinar, we had – the guy had screenshots of people in Russia selling, like, your debit card for $28, huh. and then they're selling someone else's for, like, 33 because there's – less risk on that card so they charge a little bit more there's there's more in that person's account so they charge like five or six dollars more madness and you can go to the website right now and buy someone's card God. me or you like that's how crazy it's gotten like you can order fucking heroin right now from the far east online maybe yeah absolutely i was watching a thing about that and the kids are getting like crystal meth and shit in the mail and like in fucking high school and <laughs> it's getting crazy so yeah i mean it's it's just getting to that point where you can pretty much get anything online and i mm-hmm. think with that reputable secured aura it's it, everyone's going to feel at ease the world's a crazy place right now so it's necessary it makes it feel fucking pro and um you got the shipping notification the the, oh yeah all that shit all dude. The, the order notification, the shipping notification and the it's actually uh, arrived. That's the one thing I've, I've learned through what we've been doing is like you know we've ran our own websites where I've coded it from scratch. This website that I'm using now is just basically you know the classic WordPress blog it's super secure and then this store is like Shopify super secure backed And now I don't have to use PayPal or Square. I can literally use a Shopify app when I'm at conventions and it'll remove the stock from my store as I sell books so I can track how many books I have left. Which is great, yeah. It's crucial. Schematics. Because I, I'm literally like going to be ordering small batches from the publisher um, as the Kickstarters get out there. Because I, I have like probably. Getting down to maybe ten super complete SNES books left, and I ordered hundreds and hundreds of books, like lots. My my garage was full of books, and now it's like I have two like two boxes left, or less than two boxes left. It's a, it's cool because I'm still able to handle everything personally. Like I ship everything, I order everything, I pack everything. Like it's kind of cool. As in like every backer, like I don't even know if they know that, but I'm personally doing everything myself it's interesting because on that um the shark tank show uh, for what it's worth i don't know how real that shit is but for what it's worth like the end of so many businesses is because they got too much to handle but yet it wasn't big enough to where they could farm it out and make a profit so but it's always interesting to me because like why can't you just extend like the date when you're going to receive stuff you know well i mean that's what i would do at first but like the other aspect is i already have companies i already have companies lined up that um basically if i for example have to move overseas or something they can handle shipping everything out so basically certain companies will take a fee other ones take a percentage but basically, it'd be like a warehouse. You send it to the warehouse, and they package up when it's ready and ship it out. And that's well, that's when you take the leap into the next realm. I mean, eventually, if things continue to grow like they have been, I'm not going to be able to handle that many. That's what happens, and then you either have to you have to make a choice, basically. No, me, I'm I'm OCD. Like I'd probably still just instead of doing it in one week or two weeks, I'd do it in four. Yeah, just extend like the arrival time. Yeah, that's what makes the most sense to me. Because always, it's always funny. Like, well, why would you fold your company because you're succeeding? Isn't that so weird? It's dumb. And that it's like, dude, you you hit a stride. Just figure out a way to make everyone happy within that, and you're done. It was like the um the Nintendo one, the the first Kickstarter. Like Andrea did a ton of the shipping she was doing her eBay stuff, too, so she was just incorporating it. But there wasn't that m- that many comparatively. So I told her when the superintendent was going crazy, I'm like, all right, so how big how big this gets? Like, when does it get too big to where we, we pay? When is it worth it to pay? Or do we just keep the extra cash? And, you know, so basically she was like, well, we need to ship it out until it gets ridiculous, like... And then she ended up, I ended up doing all of it myself this time. So, because she'd started her new business Adventure with Luluro, and she's been really busy. So, she's doing really good with it, but she's been really busy. That's good too, though. Yeah. So, that's good. But my thing is, is after I handled it all, I'm like, well, it's, it, it's tough. It's not easy, but I don't want to farm it out because I'm like, you get that whole satisfaction, that, you know, accomplishment when you're done. That's all that whole, like, Vince McMahon mentality, like, no time for sleep, no time for sick. Mm-mm. Gotta fucking do this shit. Everybody got that Christmas funk or whatever it was, we are all sick, I was, I was good, I was still working on stuff. It's just, yeah, I mean, like, they say, like, Vince sleeps like, two or three hours a night, like, that's the other thing, too, man, it's just, the most successful people, though, just never stop, cause you can't, cause the moment you stop, like, the ivy starts to grow over the door you know it's 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 really easy to fall into a habit whether that be good or bad it's really easy to fall into a habit so conditioning yeah so like if i'm sitting here and every day i work on my book for an hour or two and then i miss it for a day then i might miss it for the next day and then the next and then it's like a week and i hadn't touched it like that is easy to do. It's the same thing with people with it's. It's the same thing with people with diets and food eating. Yep, it's and reflective. Exercise exor- and exercise, like like all of a sudden you're running every day and then you stop, and then all of a sudden now it's been a month and you haven't done anything. An object at rest stays at rest, right? Thank you for listening to BGBS. We appreciate everybody taking the time to get through this whole uh, arduous podcast. We love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to correspond with us, you can email us at bgbspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a phone number. its two two six four is 26226-4BGBS. You can leave us a voicemail, shoot us a text message. Um, whatever you want to do, correspond. Also, comment on us. Shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus. We love hearing what people um think about the podcast. All right, see you later. Woo, later.